Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 28 of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. Today I am joined by the wonderful Bethany Grace. Bethany, how are you, my dear? I'm very well, but melting. I'm glad it's just audio. (laughs) Yeah, so we are recording on like, well, what are we in? We're in July and it's the hot one. It's the hot week in July where everyone is melting. Um, Listeners abroad, if you're thinking like, why do they always moan about the heat in the UK? We don't have aircon. We're not designed for this weather. Like one day it's 10 degrees and raining and then all of a sudden it's 30 and we just melt. So, Yeah. (laughs) It's literally. I was I was having to cancel lessons last week because of the rain. This week it's the heat. It's yeah, it's yeah. Madder. It's the good old great British weather. I hate my dear. So Bethany, for those that do not know who you are, um, can you just explain to people who are you? Who am I? I'm Bethany. Um, I primarily own Bonnie Dog Behaviour. That's the company set up about nearly five years ago. Uh, I also own the Bull Breed Girl because I specialise in bull breeds. Uh, before setting up solo, I worked at Bastardy Dogs Home for about six years. Uh, mo- I worked my way to working as an assessor and rehabilitator for um, the care group that I worked with was more dogs with bite histories or that came in as red cautions. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that was my... That was my beginnings and yeah here I am cracking up. So before we get too into kind of the new stuff let's let's just pause a little bit about the rescue because um listeners know I'm super passionate about rescue um two of my dogs are rescue rehomes um what was it like working in a big rescue like Batsik so obviously that's quite a high profile rescue you know and yeah it it must be such a roller coaster of so rewarding but also so heartbreaking at times yes that the roller coaster is definitely the the metaphor I'd use um it it was emotional because I I still remember pretty much every single name of every dog I worked with um and we would have kind of project dogs and those dogs are very dear to my heart mm-hmm. um and sadly not all of them make it out because anyone who knows me knows I love a challenge so the closer to the edge the dog was the more attracted I was to taking that case on and trying my absolute best mm-hmm. um but it doesn't always work like that in rescue because Battersea have um a, a policy where they don't turn dogs away mm-hmm. so any dog no matter the bite history, no matter the situation, they would take it in. So um, there are rescues that are also quite high profile that will have a kind of a non-destruct policy. Bassey is not one of those, but the rescues that generally have a non-destruct policy will cherry pick the dogs that they want to take. So where Bassey doesn't do that, we would have dogs coming in with severe bite histories and um, not all of them were safe to rehome, sadly. So that was the heartbreaking part of my job is um, lots of behavioural euthanasia. Um, And 
there, but there was also the fact that I got to go into work every day and they were my dogs and I would take great pride in making their kennels smell the most beautiful and, and their beds the most cozy and giving them yeah. their favorite toys and really taking charge of my zone as um, they were my dogs. And at one point when I first started, we could have, I think it was up to 33 dogs each. Wow. Might have been slightly more in one of the sections actually. Um, that was pretty tough. That's, that's a lot of dogs. Um, and sometimes you'd have to pick and choose who got a walk that day and that was horrible. It's a lot better now than when I started, I'll, I'll mm. say that. Um, that they have a whole load, load more volunteers and higher levels of staff and stuff. Um, but yeah. when I started, it was pretty rough. Um, but I, it, I loved it. It taught me so much about dogs. I think I'm probably in one of the camps that say you don't know dogs unless you've worked in rescue. <laughs> um, I think you, you get to know them real quick. So things like going into the kennel of a dog that's just come in as a stray and has been um, showing a bit of guarding or something, you, you learn body language real quick when you're in the situation. Yeah. So I'm incredibly grateful that I had the experience working at Battersea um, for as long as I did. And yeah, yeah I, I, I did absolutely love it. I, I went part time and that's where I stopped loving it because I couldn't give it my all after I had my son yeah so no that, that makes sense and I think because although I haven't ever worked in a rescue I have volunteered at rescue and yeah. one of the favorite training courses I ever did was second chance heroes with IMDT where you literally for a week you get given a rescue dog to work with which is pretty much what your job was from the sounds of it and you're doing the training with that dog and you're kind of assessing it and all of that kind of stuff so it's almost it sounds like it was sort of a glimmer into what you were doing as as a full-time job at the time but that course taught me so much in the space of five days it was crazy and again some of the rescues I volunteered with were ones that took a lot more time um I remember one of them like I think I spent three months literally just being in a paddock with them before I I was even kind of accepted by them to be a safe person to be around and now that dog is in the most gorgeous loving home and it's like th this was a dog that as you say had a bite history and all that kind of thing and it was like a lot of a lot of rescues may have pts earlier but the rescue he fell into kind of really gave him a chance and let him kind of bloom and come out of it and i just think that any trainers listening or any like anyone that loves loves dogs like if you can volunteer some time at a rescue like you really are changing lives for those dogs massively real quick I think you you learn so fast and you meet so many different dogs so it is a it is a way of gaining loads of experience and um, practical hands-on stuff when I came out of rescue I was like oh I've actually got to work with people so that's I think <laughs> was something that I had to kind of learn from the beginning with Oh yeah, I can do it myself. I can help dogs with dog issues myself, but learning how to coach humans to do that was um, a skill that I've definitely got better at as we've gone along. Um, but yeah, I think that like the dogs that you say 
where it takes you so long to make friends with them. I would just sit outside their kennels and read to them on my lunch break sometimes. And, yeah. and um, that's, that's like a really simple thing that can make a huge amount of difference, yeah. just re reading to a dog. Um, but those ones are, it's magic. When they yeah. come around and when you become their special person and they feel safe with you, um, that is special. There was a dog called Jack that I remember. He was an overseas rescue. He came in with his, he was like a Rottweiler cross. Mm -hmm. And he came in with his dad who looked like a terrier. <laughs> like he was a real weird mix. Um, <laughs> the dad got rehomed quite quickly, but Jack was just absolutely terrified of everyone and everything. Like initially showing a bit of aggression, but you could really tell him he did not mean it at all. Mm -hmm. my um, That's right. It's not a podcast if there isn't barking, it's the law. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my bunch. Um, but he... I got to drop him off at his new home because I'd worked so hard with Jack mm. um, took him to his new home and, and I stayed in contact with his new owner for years like sending pictures of when I had my baby and she'd send me pictures of Jack and I'd get Christmas cards from him like, it, that was a real he, he was such a special case and such yeah. a special boy because nobody thought he was going to make any significant progress yeah and um there's something quite lovely when a dog really loves you. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like not so keen on everyone else yet. And you're like, it's cool, Jack. You're you're with me. And he was just lovely. Um, yeah. but that was when we're I, I when introducing the new owner, I had to really step back because he just loved me so much that he wouldn't bond with anyone else when I was there. So I mm -hmm. it's um knowing when to back off as well, I think is really important. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And that makes sense. So Where's your love of of the bull breeds? Um, I refer to them as the fat heads because no, fat heads, yeah, big meaty fat head. Gotta love them. Um, yeah. I'm assuming Battersea paved sort of paved part of the route towards being a bull breed girl. Yeah, I already had um, I already had Bonnie, my staffy, who is Bonnie Dog Behavior is named after her. People call me Bonnie whenever they email me or message, but I don't mind. Um, that's actually the dog. Started it. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she started my love of bull breed. She was a bit of an accident. Um, she was owned by, my ex was a traveler. Okay. And um, his sister got her off some other travelers who had got her off some other travelers and she just basically passed around she was then tied up to a, a caravan next to a German shepherd that wanted to kill her um <laughs> and she then became really aggressive with dogs um and That's she lived not in really a surprising no no um she lived in a Ford KA for a few months and then they went on holiday so I said I'll have her. I'll look after her while you're away and then I just never give her back um and that was the day before my 18th birthday so that's when I took her in and she's now 11 oh. I have to work out how old I am there as well um yeah so she she was the beginning she was my beginning love and um really seeing uh the dog aggression as well which she once tried to scale a six foot fence to kill a dog on the other side she was my quite major um mm. but worked really hard with her and um we've now got got three staffies and a chihuahua um 
but yeah, Battersea definitely. Every other dog that used to come in was a was a staffy, and they don't cope particularly well in kennels. They're quite emotional. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, very sensitive, and they didn't cope well. So I I yeah, and I love dogs dog issues. It, I absolutely love working with dogs and dog issues, and often ball breeds have dogs to dog issues. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I started working with them all the time. Yeah, no, that makes sense because like with um munchkin obviously you know we've got a fur terror as a hounslow hound she's one of those kind of <laughs> just one of them londony ball breedy mixy yeah things. she's definitely not a proper stafford she's far too tall um but yeah. she's, she's just our baby you know she's cool and like when we got her very young my um my other half um basically rescued her from a a flat in um in deptford of all places of the world and um yeah we've had her ever since i think she was probably only about six weeks old when we got her six seven weeks old oh. she was like baby baby um and our eldest chihuahua kind of took her under her paw and acted as the mama dog bless her and i mean she she's just so easy like i think they staffords and staffy mixes like do get such a bad rap from people but as a family pet especially like you know just a dog that's going to fit in with the family and be cool around the kids and just generally like a nice dog to be around like Staffords are wicked yeah they are the one (laughs) they are I mean because you've obviously your multi-dog household and you have a a small person running around as well and they are the most tolerant dogs in general like generally obviously we're talking generalizations here because they are all beautiful as individuals um and all unique but in general i've found staffords and bull breeds to be fantastic family pets Mm -hmm. um being a a kind of a specialist in bull breeds i see a lot of bull breeds i work with them often and i very 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 rarely are seeing them for aggression towards humans to be honest um and very often they are absolutely lovely with the children in the home. I rarely see ones for issues with new babies or anything. So mm-hmm. that's that's my personal experience. But yeah, they're fantastic all-rounders. They are always up for an adventure, but also quite happy to sleep on the sofa. Mm-hmm. They're just brilliant. And they fit in really well with most lifestyles, I think. They're tr- super trainable. Like, yeah. they're just, yeah, I mean munch pretty much had a go i think most dog sports like you name a dog sport and i'll go yeah she had a little go at that yep we played with that yep we did that yep we tried that because they just they just want to work with you and hang out with you and stuff and one thing i just want to make really really clear to everyone um and i go on and on about this but bull breeds do not have a locking jaw it's not a thing there is, they don't have this magical hinge that like makes their mouth not open. It's just, they are very, very strong. Yeah. They, they're, their muscles, it's their, their, the anatomy of their fat heads. Um, yeah. There's a reason their head is shaped that way. Exactly. They, I mean, they, they do have a, they have a strong bite, but it's not necessarily stronger than any other dogs. It, mm. um, I'd say it's actually more the way that they bite that can make them more dangerous and and I say more dangerous in the grand scheme of things I think there are a fair few dog bites more so but um 
we can chat about BSL a bit later. But um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy to talk BSL because it's something that I think a lot of people aren't fully aware about. Hopefully, changes may be brewing. Changes so. may be brewing, but um, in I mean, the last episode I recorded with Kamal, um, he said one of the worst things that happened with dogs as pets was the Dangerous Dogs Act. It was one of the worst things of legislation that could have ever been put in because dogs became vilified for being dogs. If they bark, if they jump up, if they protect yeah. their territory, if they look after their owners and do everything that comes so naturally to them, they're wrong. And it's ended up with yeah. breeds due to BSL being given such stigma. And obviously pit bulls are illegal in this country, but the wording of the BSL of pitbull type is where it breaks your heart because DNA evidence is not submittable in court, which, hello, science. And it's all to do with someone's opinion and a tape measure. And there's a lot of crosses that could fall into that type category. There's boxer mixes, there's lab mixes, Sharpe mixes that could all fall into that category of pitbull type. And I just don't think people are aware that due to this stupid law, like literally dogs have been killed because of how they look. So working at Battersea for as long as I did, saw a lot of um, what they called section one dogs mm -hmm. coming through. And so one of the parts of BSL is that dogs are not allowed to be rehomed. So once they were in, they weren't allowed to go anywhere other than out in those yellow bags. That is um, probably one of the most heartbreaking things mm -hmm. I've had to deal with. Um, I remember specifically two puppies um, called Herbert and Sherbert. They were only, I think, three or I think they were three or four months old. So technically, you're not supposed to view a dog as type until they're six months old but because these oh, dogs wow. looked fairly tight they um they had to make the decision do we make these dogs wait in kennels for months yeah only to then be put to sleep if they are viewed as type or do we put them to sleep now and they chose to put them to sleep now um so i when the dlo so that the the dog law um the the person that comes around like the warden yeah, it's the, it's the officer isn't it that has to come around and make that decision which yeah. must be a really sucky job it was i mean some were better than others yeah because i, I don't say I, I can't say i ever saw a tape measure being used mm -hmm. um so some were better than other, others in in terms of how detailed or thorough they were in their checks but um herbert and sherbert i I dressed them up in little Christmas jumpers for when the DLO came round, just hoping that he would say they're fine, they're just staffies. Um, and there is no way of knowing whether they would have turned out looking like more kind of staffy looking or more nurturing, mm -hmm. whatever. They were clearly crosses of some type, but I held them until their little wag stopped and he was licking the vet's face as as they passed oh, so i'd love them it was um 
there, there was an even younger one, eight week old one. Um, there were litters of puppies because the mum was typed. So there would be litters of puppies put to sleep because they, again, couldn't guarantee that they wouldn't spend six months in kennels and then not be put to sleep at the end of it. Um, it was absolutely horrendous when a, my heart would sink when you'd see a dog come in and you'd be like, you're not going out and you're absolutely lovely. And they're um, just wagging on you and loving yeah. you and giving you I, no. There was, only, there was only ever one in, in my six years there and I, pro I met probably hundreds of mm -hmm. section one type dogs. Um, I think there was one that I would have considered dangerous and shouldn't, wouldn't have been rehomed and, and we couldn't have safely rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. um, one dog out of hundreds. So that's 1%. 1%, well, probably less than 1% actually, because yeah. I think there were, so it's it's something I'm so passionate about is yeah. that they do not breed. Yeah. I mean, indeed, I think with there with, with kind of the behavior, the behaviorists that we have now, we can rehabilitate. I think if courts worked with behaviorists to be able to get the like help where the dogs needed it, as long as the dogs are in um, under safe ownership mm -hmm. and with people that are willing to put measures in place if the dog is acting aggressively, yeah. um, then I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that we are still doing things based on looks. Yeah. based on looks where dogs are absolutely lovely wouldn't harm a soul um yep they put less people in hospital than dashens it's like not that i want to compare breeds because that's not really what it's about but in no. terms of bsl and you know as we're both chihuahua owners and chihuahuas people i'm embarrassed enough <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can admit it we can admit it but Chihuahuas are known for being aggressive, vile, horrible little creatures. Oh, a lot my of them are, you know, and a lot of it's down to breeding. Again, spoke about that in the last episode. But with with the BSL, so a very a very good friend of mine, um, very dear lady who I met through social media, and we actually managed to meet like a few years ago at a conference, but. And ironically, the bite prevention conference was where we finally managed to cross paths properly in the in the actual world. But her old dog um, was the only dog in the litter that wasn't typed. Yeah. So the whole litter, apart from one. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, what? That makes no it's sense. When, you know, if if people want to kind of know more look about stories like um the story of lennox six in my heart so much because what that dog went through was so unnecessary but also you know when we look abroad um high profile case the michael vick case where all those poor poor dogs that had been forced into a fighting ring mm. a lot of them when they were seized not all of them but some of them were rehabbed and they went into lovely family homes mm -hmm. because they weren't bad dogs and this is there's this real thing isn't there that certain types of dogs rottweilers have had it dobermans have had it um shepherds a little bit but i think it tends to be a certain look and a certain type of dog um you see it a lot now especially with um the the fashion and i hate using the word fashion but and bullies with cropped yeah, ears now 
Yeah. The sooner this gets stopped, the better. And obviously it is illegal in this country. And the sooner dogs are stopped being imported with cropped ears, the better. Because it doesn't help those dogs communicate with other dogs. It doesn't help those dogs communicate with us. Removing a dog's ears is just, I don't agree with it. It's completely brutal and unnecessary. Um, There's a guy near us that's got three XL bullies and they're absolutely gorgeous. They're stunning. Two don't have ears. One does have ears um, to import. And we bumped into him um, the other day. I was out for a walk with my friend and I was like, I want to say hi to them. And you could see the confusion on his face that I was just like, can I say hello to your dogs, please? Like, because <laughs> obviously I'm in Surrey now. So you understand the confusion on his face that like the lady was asking. And I was like, are they all right to say hi to? And they're literally dragging him to come and like give me the love. And they were ginormous. Like they are huge, these XL bullies. But people are getting those because they don't fit into that tape measure guide of a pit bull type because they're not. And all the BSL has done has caused people to import dogs mixing like can corsos with other breeds stuff like that and anyone that's going to use a dog as a weapon is a dick let's <laughs> just yeah just put that out there now if if you think that using a dog as a weapon is appropriate then you're a dick and part of the reason why these dogs are being vilified is because the law you get in less trouble for having a dog than you do having a knife. Yeah. And that's the other reason why bull breeds have been abused in the way they have and why they've ended up in the situation they have. I mean, I, I off quite fairly often, not okay. Well, sometimes I get people that will message me um, because I am all about the bull breeds that will say I'm getting an XL bully for example Mm. um I've got children and I really want it to be the best behaved well-behaved dog be absolutely lovely Mm. but I want to train it for protection um or I I want it to protect my children I want it to be a guard dog um and I think there's this people misunderstand bull breeds in that they were used for dog fighting that's what they were bred for um however they are the soppiest most sensitive baby angels (laughs) really isn't it it's a complete oxymoron i mean that they i i do meet an awful lot with issues with other dogs and i think that if you get if you get a bull breed that's something that i would say if you're going to focus on one thing focus on really nice socialization and good quality um relationships with other dogs that would be my kind of main thing to focus on yeah i would be make sure that they are not over socialized but well socialized good quality work with a trainer that can help with the puppy socialization mm-hmm. around other dogs because that is the main thing i see them for yeah. but yeah get, getting a, a big bull breed and wanting it to be a protection dog but also wanting it to be lovely with everyone um it doesn't work no your dog doesn't know that's your mate coming in so you can't say oh yeah i want it to protect everyone but then not want it to savage your friends it just doesn't work 
So I think people get them with the sometimes with the view of like having a protection dog, mm-hmm. not realizing that actually you can't have your cake and eat it. If you're gonna have a nice socialized dog and it's gonna be a proper family dog, you've got to do it well and you've got to be careful. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. They're massive. Yeah, <laughs> they're massive. One thing I'm I'm always really open and honest about is the fact that um Dodge did not have the right temperament to do bite sports with, didn't do them mm-hmm. with. And um the episode I did with Bryony and I spoke a little bit about um this with Kamal as well was that people have this real misconception about what protection sports are and they Mm -hmm. don't understand it is a dog sport you know it isn't about having a dog chained up in your garden to protect your property like that's not what owning a dog should be and the fact is you know if you want a dog that's gonna protect your house and if someone breaks in is gonna act as a deterrent then yes a a big softball breed pardon me a big bull breed may act as a visual deterrent but i'll be honest with you i'd be more worried about a jack russell on the other side of a door than yeah. i would yeah <laughs> and yeah, i would no, like true. some of some of the fathead breeds because like the thing is going back to what they were bred for because it was for animal fighting either dog or bull there's a reason they're called bull breeds yeah. but the reason they are so good with people is because the people had to be able to get in and yeah. separate the fights. The people had to be able to handle these dogs. They had to glue them back together after they'd got broken. Um, yeah. And I deliberately said glue because that's often what happens and it's horrendous. But they have to be good with people. So to want one that's going to be good with people, but also protect you, like, why, why are you getting a dog? And also, why are you looking at a bull breed? If you want a dog... <laughs> Or an alarm system, anything. Yeah. Just leave the dog out of it. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I spent my whole life trying to make sure that Dodge is like as cool with as many new people as possible because naturally, if you're new, he might eat you because yeah. that's what he's been bred to do. Yeah. Naturally suspicious. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we we have to understand about the breed traits and stuff and. Again, talking about breed traits, this goes into the part of kind of the prey drive sequence Mm. all breeds are into. And it is the kind of grab, bite, kill kind of area. Grab, bite, kill, bite, dissect. That is what they live for. And that's why, so I often say, I I talk about that a lot with clients so that they understand that they actually, they need to do that. Um, That's how all those muscles that they have in their jaw they need to relieve that tension sometimes. Mm. And that is kind of how they do it. Grab, bite, kill, bite, dissect. So lots and lots of tuggy games is fantastic. Getting them, people think that it's an old school thought that it increases aggression. Absolutely not. It's when used well, and there is, you can do it badly as you can with anything. But when you're using tuggy games to kind of increase arousal, but also then they'd have to learn to come back down again because as you know, being a bulbry donor, they go up and then they go up and then they go up some more. Um, and they <laughs> In left about 0.222 seconds. I'd say it's less, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes them about three hours until they're kind of back to normal again, but still could do something. Yeah. Um, so 
yeah, using Dougie toys to kind of channel that arousal and channel that desire to grab and kill stuff is fantastic. It's a really good way of building bonds. It's a really good way of not having your arms being used as that grab bite. <laughs> um, because like Bulbries like to get mouthy that if they're stressed, that's how they'll sometimes get it out as well as getting mouthy. So getting them on tug toys is one of the best things and letting them destroy stuff. They have to kill. Yeah. Um, so it, pe people say, well, I can't give them toys because they've destroyed them within two seconds. I'm like, well, just buy cheap ones. That's the point of it. That's that's the way they want to play. We can teddy bears. Yeah, exactly. All the so stuff. Go to, go to a charity shop, buy some cheap stuff, toys, make sure they've got the eyes and nose removed and anything that they could swallow. But mm. um, yeah, I, I know like Diane, Diane does this, she's got toys, but she just, she spends half her life restuffing them. Um, so you, you could just buy them and then you, she, she likes to restuff and sew up and give it to them the next night. So yeah, yeah. you could do that if you want to, or yeah, just buy cheap stuff that you let them kill. Cardboard boxes. One of mine is obsessed with empty plastic bottles. Mm -hmm. um, like she would do anything. If you're out and, and it's a hot day and you're drinking water, you've got to kind of keep it up above your head because she will. Otherwise um, she'll just grab it and it will die. She'll give it a go <laughs> above your head. But yeah, no, she loves them. So stuff that they get to use their mouths, they need to use their mouths. And that is a way of channeling that. The, the arousal that we love in a bull breed, it, it can be their downfall if not channeled yeah. appropriately. So yeah, that would be one of the main things. Let them rip. And Let I them think rip. the other thing that is important to remember, you know, is that, a well-socialized bull breed is fantastic. You know, Munch is super sociable. She gives lovely body language. She's very good with puppies. You know, oh. lots of friends that have had puppies. Munch has been one of the first adult dogs they've met because she's been tolerant. You know, her and Dodge love each other. They've been laying in the kitchen all day, snogging each other in the aircon. <laughs> like, yeah, it's cool in here. We can play because it's cool. And she's very good at adapting her play depending on what dogs she's playing with. One of her very good friends um, is a Malinois. They kind of just hang out now. When they were younger, they used to run around a bit more. Now they're both getting a bit older. So they just kind of chill out, hang out. That's cool. Um, she, the older she's got, the more she kind of, she doesn't really want to interact with other dogs now. She's just like, oh, there's a dog, cool, whatever. She might have a little sniff. That's fine. But one thing I have struggled with is that she will give the dog all the warnings and all the signals of, um, please stop, I'm not interested, I don't want to talk to you, you're being rude now. And if I haven't been able to intervene in time or just, you know, the other dogs kind of been really rude, um, one thing she does not tolerate is dogs shoving their noses straight into her backside, which... You know, she takes after her mother. If a bloke went to grab my backside, I'd probably deck him. So I, I wouldn't say you wouldn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just there have been a few situations where we've had dogs that have been very impolite with her. Yeah. She has spun round and um, she's either air snapped. Um, one dog she did actually pin down and she just pinned it. That was it. Yeah. And the owner went ballistic at me and I was like, excuse you. First of all, if she'd wanted to hurt your dog, she could have and secondly if your dog wasn't so rude mine wouldn't have told him to go away in such a manner you know but because she's a bull breed you know it's her that's going to get the blame in a situation 
because she's a bull breed. And yeah. for me, the self-control it takes to tell another dog to go away and to just pin, and dogs pinning other dogs is not a nice situation. But of all the choices she could make, that's a really very polite one. Yeah, it. they do. I mean, they, they sound scary sometimes. Mm. So I think... But I so, like noise because noise means the mouth is open and it isn't full. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I guess for other people, they don't know your girl. And, it's, yeah. and it, it, it is a panic when, when we know dogs... We know she's giving all those signs. Yeah. So I do try and put myself in the position of the other person and think that they're pan they're panicked. They're probably having a go at you because they're in a panic. Um and but yeah, as ball breed owners, we I think we have our guards up because yeah. we think that people are crossing the road because of us. They could they it could be that they're dashed as a savage and they're just trying to cross the road. Um I know lots of people who who have said to me, "Oh, I, I crossed the road," but then they think it's because of their dog, and it's not. It's just that their dog's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or scrappy or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, as well, we, we we there is a level of stigma. I think it's getting better. Yeah. But I also think you have to you have to know a bull breed to love them. So people yeah. that don't know them, I can understand why they think they look scary. If anyone reads the Daily Mail, I could understand why oh, they yes. don't like So there, there are reasons. And I, and I actually don't, I would rather people avoid than mm. um, get into any kind of confrontation. Because but I know my mum, for example, she thought Bonnie was really ugly. Oh, um, she didn't like Snuffy. She never met them. She didn't know them. Um, and we got Bonnie. She thought she was really ugly, and I thought she was the most beautiful baby angel I'd ever seen in my whole life. Um, you now she completely loves her. Stafford's have the best smiles. Like Stafford's smile is the greatest thing in the world. They are. They they light up a room, and um, and their bottoms will clear a room. That is um something that's special about them. Oh my god, yes, hundred percent. They have very sensitive digestive systems, I think. <laughs> More so than any other breed. And this again is another thing because people do see them as like this, you know, they've got this hard image and oh, you know, oh, it's a bull breed, they're really tough. They're really not. Like they're just really not. <laughs> You'd know. So when I work working rescue, you would know if obviously in on site they would do all the spades and neutering and stuff of every dog before they went home um you would know when a staffy or a bobby had had their up because you can hear them crying um you'd know it was a staffy or, or a greyhound because like the biggest wusses of the dog world staffies and and sight hounds <laughs> they really are but they are they're just they are so soft and i find them really tactile yeah. so they don't they, they're all over you they want to be near you and they want cuddles and stuff. Obviously, again, every dog's an individual. Don't go and cuddle every ball breed you see. Make friends first and ask. <laughs> Consent. <laughs> Consent is key. Health um, and safety risk assessment. <laughs> or do you just know that someone's going to listen and be like, well, no, you shouldn't hug dogs. I'm not saying, I'm not saying hug dogs. 
thing. Lots of bull breeds but love it. The thing is, though, once you're owned by a bull breed, like they just yeah. want to touch you all the time. They have to be touching you, regardless of the temperature. Yeah. They need to be touching you yeah. a little bit while you sleep under the yeah. covers. Bonnie is generally under the covers, head on my pillow. We spoon. Um, and then colours is like between my legs. Colours is my oldie. So I rescued her. It'll be, a, I'll have had her a year on August 29th. Oh, wow. I didn't think she was going to make weeks. So yeah, it's... I remember, I remember you getting her and I remember all the posts on social media and it was like, oh, bless her little, she's just, just this little old little grey chops. Just, she oh. is the sweetest, kindest, gentlest dog I have ever met. Like, I literally don't understand why anyone would give her up. But I actually, I think, so the vets thought she was, she was so, so skinny. She, mm. So she's about 21 kg now, and she's probably slightly overweight. <laughs> a bit of a pygmy goat look going on. But it's not down. She's, she's done got it. curves. She's got curves. But when I got her, she was on about just under 16 kg. Like, she was so skinny all of her bones were showing her hips like her shoulder blades every single rib when you touched her she was just skin and bone um and they thought it was because she's got mammary masses so they thought it was because of the cancer but it i think it was just neglect like purely neglect because she put on weight quite easy um once once i got her once so, she yeah. gave her food like actual food that was good for her and yeah I, she's just um, she came with horrible ear infections and yeah she's just a poorly girl but now she is loving life she's a dorset dog she's got elbow dysplasia she can't walk as far but she's just the sweetest but she could cuddle all day all night that's her bless her heart although my chihuahua is probably the most cuddly dog that i have yeah they are pretty snuggly she sleeps like, uh, like on my boobs as a shelf. Yep. <laughs> she sleeps here. Everybody um, needs a bosom as a pillow. There was a whole exactly. song about it. <laughs> exactly. And she never, it's actually like, you know, that deep pressure therapy. Yeah. Doris being here is like grounding. <laughs> I just yeah. love it. I, I, I am not a small dog person. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But, but the thing is, well, was odd. Chihuahuas aren't small dogs. Chihuahuas are very big dogs in a very little package. Yeah, no, it's true. She rules the roost for sure. Three staffies will be sitting the other side of the door. If she's on the other side, they're like, uh-uh, can't go through. Doris is there. Um, I mean, she, 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 yeah, no, she does guard space. But <laughs> they, I've, I've they, got one that I've got one that's guardy as well. So yeah, Minx Minx will often take on the world if she feels the need to. So I fully appreciate that. But that's actually quite a nice segue to take us on to muzzles because this again is something I'm very passionate about, and I know you are as well. And the stuff you've been doing on Instagram, I just want to say like, well done, and I'm love love loving it because muzzles have such a stigma and i think every single dog should be trained to wear a muzzle yeah yeah just end of story just every dog should be able to wear a muzzle because there could your dog may never have to wear one in an emergency situation they may never have to wear one because of the various reasons we're going to discuss in a minute 
but if you've trained them at a young age to be comfortable to have that thing on their face if there ever is a real real emergency or for safety or whatever reason that just takes that element of stress out of the situation for the dog because oh it's a muscle okay cool yeah i mean you never really have to use so many of the things we train as standard so Mm -hmm. like rarely do you actually use a paw or a rollover or even a steak really pause one of my like that's one of my bugbears that's one of my I hate it because it ruins luring (laughs) (laughs) you're trying trying to do anything with a dog that it's first thing ever it's learned is poor that is kind of all it will give you um I can understand it might be helpful for things like vet procedures if you want your dog to give you a paw and so I'm sure there are there are loads of reasons but for me it's not a huge thing but we train all of these things but there's such a stigma around stigma around muzzles which are actually practical and not bad they're not bad yeah they are they're not like they're not uncomfortable for them they might take a bit of getting used to but so do bras and I still have to wear one yeah um so it it, they (laughs) might be listeners just take (laughs) take our word for this okay y'all don't understand the struggle don't understand (laughs) they just don't but um we have to wear them a lot more than dogs have to wear muzzles. Anyway, yeah. It, it so it they they're not really uncomfortable. They they can be lifesavers. Yeah. They can change lives, and not everybody is desperate for their dog to wear a muzzle. And I'm not suggesting everyone should be excited that their dog has to wear a muzzle, but I think it should be a non-event mm-hmm. basically. Um, and yeah, the stuff I've been doing on Instagram. So I do muzzle up Mondays. And shout out to my lovely social media lady, Christy, who helps me a lot with these and finding different people. And mm-hmm. I, I try and we try and find lots of the different reasons dogs wear muzzles. Yep. So it's not to 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 show it's not just aggression. And yeah, that doesn't mean that it's bad that they wear a muzzle if they have aggressive tendencies, whatever. Um, but there are so many different reasons. Scavenging, vet trips, if you're traveling with your dog and they have to if like I think it's in France and Germany they have to be muzzled on public transport mm-hmm. um so there are so many different reasons and there are so many different muzzles you can find ones that are comfortable and bespoke to your dog and it, it, yeah it's that's that's what I'm trying to do end stigma and promote yeah. the average muzzle wearers yeah, yeah. So George is muzzle trained. I mean, all of mine are muzzle trained. Um, Munch was muzzle trained at an early age, just in case you need to. Both the Chihuahuas have been muzzle trained. Now that's hard because Baskerville's about the only one, unless you need to get a custom one that does one that's sort of small enough. Um, yeah. So it does make it trickier and flat face dogs. That's the tricky. Yeah, one. yeah. The bracky breeds, you know, they. But there are there are companies out there that are making them. Um, Dodge has actually got a really cool custom muzzle that I had made for him um, just because I was struggling to find one that fitted him well because the Greyhound muzzles were sort of fitting him, but not quite. And then like your Baskerville types weren't quite the right size either. They were just a bit yeah. short on his nose. So I had a custom one made in the end. And reason for him having it also i had it made in bright orange and teal so that you can see it a mile off yeah because 
the two circumstances he'll be wearing it. One is if he needs to go to the vet because of COVID and everything else, he went from being going to the vets every other week for his weigh-ins, walking in with me, good as gold, no problem, to all of a sudden mummy can't go in with him and now he wants to eat everybody. Um, so we muzzle him to keep him safe. You know, I'm, I'm not going to put him or a person at risk. But also if there is ever a situation I need to take him in where it is going to be a very peopley place, I'd much prefer to put a muzzle on him because people do give you more room, which yeah. for his situation is perfect. That's exactly what I need it to do. So in ways, the stigma kind of helps me a little bit because people go, oh, dog's wearing a muzzle, better give it a bit of room. It might not be stigma, it might be respect. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because maybe people see and go, oh, that dog's got a muzzle. It might be for a reason. But I think the fact that you're saying as well, like scavenging is a massive one. Um, I'm going to pick on the Labradors. No offence to the Labradors, but... They've not had it tonight. It's their turn. <laughs> it's, it's turn of... Let's pick on the Labs for a little while. Um, but they never get any chip. They're just food hoovers. Yeah, no, they are. <laughs> they just yeah, no, hoover. If My we... friend's Labrador once ate through her microwave because she'd used it earlier. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Literally, like, ate through the microwave because she'd used it and it smelled like food. He he learned how to open the freezer because it was the only bit he could reach. Um, he'd had a lot of his legs redone, he had a lot of metal in him, and um, so he couldn't jump up to get to the fridge, but he learned how to open the freezer to eat the frozen peas. <laughs> like, that's the, that's oh. the level. From the trainer's point of view, I go, you clever thing well done and there's a little element of clever puppy dog well done and there's also the are you serious now what are you doing yeah. like I stayed at my house this specific labrador um <laughs> and he I, i'd been out and i was really looking forward to the fact that i had i'd had domino's pizza the previous night so i had leftovers pizza um and i'd left wow. it in the oven so i'd put wow. it in its box in the oven and do you know what happened? You know, I came home, there was no pizza. He'd I'm opened, he'd worked on how to open the oven. I think he'd used the oven glove that was hanging over the thing. It's my own fault. Um, couldn't be mad. I was kind of impressed. Yeah, but the irony that the dog used the oven glove to open the oven is actually yeah. brilliant. Like, yeah, it was brilliant. The, the mental image I'm now getting is him, like, actually getting the oven glove in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, we're making a little man so he finally has opposable thumbs so he can open the oven properly. That's brilliant. But scavenging is one reason. Also, um, dogs that are prone to eating or playing with sticks. Um, you know, a friend of mine recently, their dogs just had to have surgery because of a stick being embedded um had it with Tizer, my old terrier um had to have surgery because he had stick embedded in his throat from playing with sticks and we try and kind of educate people on why you shouldn't throw sticks and there are so many alternatives now but mm -hmm. if your dog is a stick chewer a muzzle is a really good way to be able to give them freedom without having the risk of them eating sticks but also like if you live in an area where if you maybe live more in town 
Um, especially if you're on these high streets that's got like 101 chicken shops chicken in shops. it. Yeah. And, and everyone's go, chicken bones are on the floor. Why? There shouldn't be chicken bones on the floor. But the fact is, if your dog eats a cooked chicken bone, like... Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, this was a Labrador as well. So my friend's Labrador managed to open the pedal bin and remove a cooked chicken carcass from the pedal bin and consume said cooked carcass and had to be rushed to the vet and spent several days in the vet very very ill and um they had to do stomach and gut repair because she had she literally nearly killed herself now obviously these are very extremes but if you have got a dog that you know is a scavenger if you have got a dog that if you live in an area where there could be hazardous things there were awful stories going around um i've heard less and less recently but about people putting out baited meat or like balls with nails in and horrible stuff like that going on even putting out bait for foxes that dogs were getting hold of Mm -hmm. having a dog muzzled will prevent things like that from happening as well so it really is a safety thing yeah absolutely it's there's um there's there's so many reasons and the I, I can't I, the, the things so the ones that I get with people kind of coming back at me oh yeah but what about but what about but what about it will be things like what if a dog comes and starts a fight with my dog and he can't defend himself um and I think that like it's valid it is a concern but it's as horrible as it sounds it's easier to stop one dog fighting than it is two yeah um <laughs> from it, from having to split up a few dog fights in my lifetime yeah. yes i can vouch that if one is not attached to the other one it is easier to separate yep yeah i mean it's not it's not nice and nobody wants that but it it's not going to stop a dog from attacking your dog so but also a muzzle punch really blooming hurts. So it's not like yeah. they're completely defenseless. No, and generally if they're muzzled, they're also on a lead. So you've got a lot more control and it, it's easier if you've got control of one yeah. of them. But um, but yeah, so I do get, there are, there are risks with everything, mm-hmm. um, but I've never seen that happen. That's yeah. not to say it doesn't happen. I would say it's far more likely if, if you have a dog who is potentially reactive or aggressive towards other dogs and it's not muzzled and it snaps at another dog, they're far more likely to then um, have have Mm -hmm. arguments. So even there, a muzzle will help. It helps people relax. The the Muzzle at Monday I did today, I don't know if you've had a chance to read it yet, or um, it's the the woman says in it that the first time she went out with her dog in a muzzle, it changed their lives she 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 took that breath and it just like re- relaxed her that first kind of deep breath when she's gone out with her dog in a muzzle and she can actually relax for the first time walking her dog because she like, knows that that dog can't yeah can't do anything it can't hurt anyone there's no risks you're minimizing the risk i'm i'm training to become an expert witness um in dangerous oh talking. wow okay cool but, um, i'm nearly done it's 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 not a it's not a dog specific course what I'm doing. It's more about kind of because there's a lot that goes into it in terms of report writing and court assessments and mm-hmm. um, working with. So it's all the kind of admin side of things. And then I'm shadowing others um, 
to do the actual assessing. But anyway, um, th there are dogs that I've worked with that have been involved in police cases and so many of the dogs that are involved with police cases, it's like their first time offence. Their owners didn't actually think that they do anything. It was a complete accident. It was mitigating circumstances. Um, like my, my, a recent client of mine gave me permission to share the story on my social media. Dog's name was Duke and he's absolutely lovely. He's a dog to Bordeaux cross chocolate lab. Um, again, a dog. Pesky Labrador's again. <laughs> yeah, pesky labs. Um, but he, she came in, she, she, she'd been shopping, came onto the driveway with her shopping bags, daughter opened the door, dog came out, saw like to say hello to her, which had happened hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. Just then, neighbor's dog walks past, he goes to have a go at the dog, woman gets bitten in trying to separate them. Mm -hmm. Like Duke is 99% of the time, or nine, I'd say 95, really good with dogs. Like mm -hmm. he's, he's fine, he's not a huge issue. He'd had a bit of argy-bargy with this dog um, that would bark at him. He'd bark at it around the house. So there was bad blood. But those circumstances, it was like a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. But Duke, Duke now has to be muzzled on muzzled at all times um, and has a control order, things like baby gate, so double door system. But we put all those into place before the, the police did because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but he he's now having to be quite uncomfortable out walking with his muzzle on because he's not been trained to do it just yet. Because, but if he'd been muzzle trained and this had happened, it would have been a lot easier process or might not. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. muzzle muzzle training is yeah, it's brilliant and it's a confidence building activity. You don't even have to do it with a muzzle necessarily to start off with. We still yogurt Yeah, yogurt pots, a cone, cups, like. Just your dog learning to stick its face and stuff, um, I, I think is a real trust building and exercise. That is the key part of it. Your dog putting their nose yeah. into, not yeah. you putting something on your dog's face. And this is where I think a lot of people, when they do need to muzzle train because they're rushing to do it, yeah, they just shove it on the dog and expect them to be comfortable. Or the vet has shoved it on because it's in a veterinary situation and yeah, the yeah. vet doesn't want to get bitten. And then you're we're working against a bad experience because the dog's already had a bad experience because the last time the muzzle was shoved on its face and then it was injected and then it was neutered or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was its first experience with the muzzle. And then we're working against that negative experience. Yeah. Whereas it's the same as kind of any bit of dog training, I guess, where about the bank account the more you yeah. put in when you have to withdraw stuff there's still stuff in there but in yep. that relationship or in that kind of specific training to, to last you so when you really have to use it um it's there it's like things like an emergency stuff I guess you, you, you never really want to use it but you want it to work the time it does or recall yeah. like they're all really important um and hopefully not always life-saving, but they can be. So that's why we work so hard to make sure that it's positive. Yeah. We want the dog to enjoy wearing the muzzle. Muzzle means nice stuff. They get well, treats when they've got the muzzle. Training, the girls are all like, oh, we're doing the thing, we're doing the thing. You know, yeah. Dodge has had maybe three times he's had to wear it to the vets. 
but there's been a hundred times he's had it on where it's been good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. And then he'd stop wearing it again. You know, I spent so much time getting him used to having different parts handled, having that muzzle put on and all the rest of it. And the other thing, one of the other reasons that I've heard people saying, oh, I don't want to muzzle my dog is that, oh, well, because they won't be able to drink and breathe properly. If you <laughs> you what, sorry? That's a bad muzzle. If they can't do that. Yes, exactly. Get so what is a good muzzle? What's a good type of muzzle? So in terms of types of muzzle, there is um, there are so many and there are so many different ones for different breeds, different face shapes. It, do, mm-hmm. There are some that are kind of more bite proof than others. So if you want bite proof, so if your dog is uh, is a risk, is a real risk and mm-hmm. might bite, um, then having a bite proof muzzle is the most important thing. Yeah. And those are metal wire coated muzzles yeah and um, there's a really good website i think it's called for dog trainers uk okay and they do some really good um wire coated muzzles mm-hmm. um dean and tyler i think they're called they do the freedom okay. muzzles which are pretty good um they are yeah so wire coated or jaffco muzzles which are um kind of all-encompassing uh they are very hard to get in the UK though so yeah that's a, that's one of the you can get biotane muzzles so for dogs that you that aren't a real uh bite risk or they're just kind of reactive and you're using it to make yourself feel more comfortable um biotane muzzles are really good there are lots of different companies do biotane um do you know biotane Bert yeah so we've started a company together creating biotane muzzles oh cool um, yeah we are we haven't officially launched yet but we are a limited company we've got insurance and everything we are now just working on the actual muzzle part which is not as easy as it looks no 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 but, because i remember like when i was ordering dodges i had the option to have like an extra strap put across the front yeah so that there was less kind of front access to the sharp bits yes um, and particularly for scavengers as well, because dogs will still shove their faces and stuff, even yeah. if they can't eat it. Um, so yeah, the, we are we we've started Freedom Muzzles. Um, is our company? Oh, um, but maybe dogs need the second muzzle. You know, <laughs> just to look But there are we're 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 working we're working on it. But there are other lovely companies. Boomass is like the gold standard, but also the gold standard price tag. So. Mm. I recommend Boomer's muzzles because they are fantastic, but they are an investment. So yeah. if your dog is going to be wearing a muzzle long term, then a Boomer's is what I would go for because they are so comfortable. They're completely custom made. They yeah. um, are, are just very well made muzzles, and yeah. but the price tag definitely reflects that. Mm-hmm. So um, if it's just kind of every now and then vet visit. Then unless you're a millionaire, I probably wouldn't bother. Yeah. Um, been, um, oh, this one, sorry, yeah, you've got... Oh, I was going to say the one, um, the one I got for Dodge was um, a truffle muzzle. Truffle muzzles, yeah, they're fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's a few other brands out there. The Brew problem Mass with those muzzles. now in the UK is that they're made um, in Spain. So getting yeah. them, there's now the import stuff and all that stuff, which makes yeah. it 
it harder. I, with... I think myself and Elliot are the potentially the only insured UK company that yeah. are making biothane um, muzzles. And I mean, Elliot is all about quality. Yeah. So everything he, he's using, all, all of the rivets are all fancy. Um, we're, yeah, we're designing them together. He's making them. Um, and yeah, we're, we're working on making that kind of accessible for all. So that um, is really yeah. exciting. And I think, um, yeah, once it's all up and running, let me know so that we can get Dodge sorted out one and he and we can do the thing. So you were just saying about um, the Baskerville muzzles, and I think those are the ones that kind of people know about the most. Those are the ones you kind of get in most pet shops. Exactly. They are the most accessible and affordable. Yep. They are made of rubber. So there's the Baskerville, just your bog standard Baskerville, which are the beige ones, which are mm -hmm. more kind of greyhound muzzles for the skinnier face dogs. Yep. So I don't see a whole lot of them. Um, so I work mostly with the Baskerville Ultras, which is the black ones, and they are tougher, made for fatheads. Um, and you can mould them, you can soak them in hot water and mould them to fit your dog's face better. They are kind of mouldable. Um, but they are, they're, they're brilliant in kind of, they've brought muzzles to the masses. Yes. So they are... And they have the extra strap, don't they, the Ultra, that goes up between got, the eyes exactly. and... They've got the forehead strap, which yeah. is helpful um, for dogs not being able to get the muzzles off. Um, yeah. And... So we're talking about kind of fit. What you want is, as we've said, for your dog to be able to drink and pant with the yeah. muzzle on. Um, we don't want the muzzle in their eyes. So it needs mm -hmm. to be sitting below the eyes. Um, that there are some like the wire muzzles, uh, they have like a leather padding across the nose bridge. Yeah. And you have to be quite careful that they don't rise up into the eyes as well. Those, those are quite tricky um, to fit well. But most companies, if you send your dog's measurements, so if you can measure your dog's nose. Um, oh my God, the measurements that are needed for a custom muzzle, let me tell you, like, that's, yeah, that's, that's a whole day of, of stuff and things. So here's a little top tip. If you use a piece of string or like, yeah. we actually used a piece of paracord because we've yeah. got paracord around. Um, and do the measurements with the paracord. It's much easier than trying to hold a tape measure next to your dog's head. That's my- uh, Yeah, I mean, I generally use the fabric tape measures. Yeah. Um, they're a bit easier rather than those kind of builder's metal. <laughs> my other half's a builder, so the only tape measures <laughs> I could find were the metal ones. So I was like, right, bit of paracord, let's do that. But the yeah, thing no, true. like Dodge wasn't so bothered about the paracord because he was like, oh, there's a bit of string around my face. Okay, whatever. You know, yeah. so, but even things like that, getting your dog used to having weird things next to them, you know, it, it's yeah. all, it's all good training. It's all good kind of, it's all learning. Dogs. Yes. It's, it's just, they're, they're always learning. And if they learn, sometimes weird stuff happens to me, then they're going to be a lot more confident to the time that weird stuff does properly happen to them. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing Kamal speaking at a conference about that actually. Um, all got a bit controversial but I thought it was really good <laughs> um he, controversial and, and dog training world I don't know yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think he deliberately made it fairly controversial I think the topic might have been controversial stuff in the dog world um <laughs> but he so he kind of was talking about getting your dogs used to the fact that not all vets might be super duper gentle with them mm -hmm. I mean 
if my vet wasn't, then I'd probably just get a new vet. But you know, but there if you can do that stuff, where... yeah, exactly. Like now with COVID situation and people haven't been able to go in with their dogs, getting them used to stuff happening to them, so that again, it's like a non-event. We we want to make it a non-event. Um, but that's again where muzzles. I think if I were if I were worried at all about my dogs going in on their own, I would mm -hmm. muzzle them because I'd want to make sure everybody was safe and um, but the same one way of you my do. one of my chihuahuas is not great at having her nails clipped. She's an absolute madam. Yeah. Um, she will try and bite you. So I take to the vets, they do it, and I say to them, just pop a muzzle on her before you do her nails. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather everyone yeah. safe. Yeah, oh, and, and that's Oh yeah, I mean my Doris doesn't have that many teeth left. Um, I don't know. She, she's normally like next stuck next to my leg, but I think it's too hot for her to even. You know, it's hot when the chihuahuas are hot, like. <laughs> yeah, she and she's yeah she's super fluffy though. She's little white little white chihuahua. I proper love her. <laughs> I really do. She's special. Don't um, people. I know. I know. <laughs> she just there's like a certain smile that comes on my face. I think when I talk about Doris. <laughs> She's just, I think because she was in love with me. Yeah. Um, like she likes other people, but she like I'm her person. And yeah. um it's been that she was uh, many tears. She was an ex-breeding bitch That's in a puppy farm. So I think she was kept in a crate in a shed her entire life, just oh, having a baby. Um, but she is just so when I first got her, she would just pace and pace the perimeters she'd even jump up on my windowsill like trying to find escape like she just was desperate to find her way out yeah it's so sad but she's better now um but yeah sorry i went on no no no, no that's fine people are used to so it's, it's like a tree and there's many branches people are used Absolutely. To <laughs> it's fine we'll go back to the branch again um so just quickly, because a lot of people, um, like when I worked at groomers, sometimes we would put a muzzle on the dog, but they tended to be that fabric type muzzle, which yeah. in a grooming situation, the dog may have it on for five minutes just while you were trimming around their yeah. face or whatever for safety or around their feet, whatever. Because when you've got sharp grooming scissors, the last thing you need is the dog trying to get involved with their mouth. Like it's really not helpful. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I do not like those fabric and mesh muzzles like yeah. they're not safe so let's just let the world know they do not stop a dog from biting no and i've no. heard of some very horrible accidents where dogs that have needed to be muzzled for dog aggression issues have been wearing the fabric muzzles and have ended up with part of another dog's ear in their mouth um yeah, and, and then try getting it out yeah. <laughs> how, how, how do you do that yeah, no, they are not, they're not designed to be used as muzzles. They're designed to keep a dog's mouth closed for a few minutes, like uh, as much as possible. That they're not, they don't allow them to pant or drink. And we like dogs regulate their body temperature. They're panting to cool themselves down. That's all they've got really, that sweat yeah. through their pores. So if they are wearing one of those fabric muzzles, then you're just asking for trouble, really. Yeah. They're not kind. And, I, I don't really kind of label myself as such within the training world. Mm -hmm. um, but I, everything I do is kind and effective. That's yeah. my aim. Yeah, so yeah. 
it, it, it's not kind to limit your dog that will make them panic yes. not being able to open their mouth or breathe properly so the, one of the things that i use the muzzle for most i think the main reason it, so there's risk but also to progress training yeah because if if a dog is muzzled and the human on the other side of the lead is feeling relaxed mm-hmm. that that enables them to be able to think about yeah. what it is that we're doing so because I know you'll know but so much of what I do is teaching them how to use the lead yeah. so how to how to where to be holding the lead how to hold the lead safely how relaxed the lead should be like tension on a lead is one of the main causes I think of that kind of the dog going over the threshold so they're yeah. sniffing people will say oh yeah they, they but they were sniffing fine for like five seconds and then when I try to pull them away that's when stuff happens so you need to learn how to get your dog away without putting that tension on the lead yeah. but if you are worried that your dog is going to bite another dog and you're pulling that lead to get them away that yeah. it, it's unhelpful so to progress training to to bring confidence to owners as well as to dogs muzzling is that step that allows them to relax mm-hmm. to relax into the training and yeah well so yeah that if if the dog can't if the dog is going to panic and can't breathe that's not going to be helpful but also again that reflects back to the veterinary side of things because if you have a dog that you know is I mean, with Dodge, it's a fear thing. He's not aggressive because he just wants to eat someone for the sake of it. It's because he's worried and he's nervous. And flight or fight, well, he can't run away. So that gives him one option left. And I feel that, you know, if I do have to hand him over and he's already got that muzzle on, straight away the staff are going to relax because he cannot cause an injury yeah. like yeah he may be able to muzzle punch when you might get a bit of a bruise but that's a lot better than a, a, a full-on bite yeah yeah I think being being honest and realistic about what dogs are capable of and mm. what you, we love our dogs and they might not do anything to us but they're dogs they're animals at the end of the yeah. day so they have autonomy and if they're frightened they are going to use everything they can to defend themselves so obviously we don't want them frightened but sometimes if a dog's hurt itself or like been in an accident or like you said have a stick impaled they're going to be not themselves they're going to be wilder than they would be naturally because they're in pain and even I don't know about you but if I've even got a headache I'm far more snappy um, with people or hungry (laughs) so Yeah, hungry um, or uncomfortable, like or hot. I am miserable. It's I'm to be honest. You're lucky that you even got me chatting because I am miserable as sin when it's hot. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> well, hopefully, I've brought some sparkle to kind of absolutely to cool, to cool you off a bit, my dear. Um, so we've covered muzzles, which we which I really wanted to talk to you about because I hope people realise that if you see a dog with a muzzle, to me that shows that that dog is attached to a really responsible person. Yeah, absolutely. I think I absolutely love my Muzzle Up Mondays. And this isn't just me kind of trying to spam people with it. No, not at all. Honestly, if you're on the Insta, you need to check it out because the dogs are super cute as well. They are super cute, but it's, it's, um, 
it's real. It's not just a trainer telling you this is how you should feel. What I, I ask the question, so I ask them, why is your dog wearing a muzzle? What kind of muzzle does your dog wear? Yep. Um, how did you feel initially about your dog wearing a muzzle? How has a muzzle changed your life? Um, I think there's one other question, but it's it's asking real people who have been in real situations who generally, there are a couple of dog trainers that have um, joined in, but it's mostly just really responsible owners yeah. um, who have, and, and there's a really great muzzle community on Instagram, actually, like the pro muzzle community on Instagram is very tight. Um, I do, I do sometimes have people questioning or putting stuff on, like, oh, they look aggressive, they look this, they look that, why would you do that to a dog? But I absolutely welcome all of those kind of comments because it gives me the opportunity to come back at them. And I've never I found anyone, it. yeah, I've never found anyone who can out-muzzle argument me <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's common sense. It's, yeah. To me, it's obvious. If your dog is a bite risk, muzzle them. It's not a bad thing. It's helpful for everyone involved. I think it, it also, we've kind of come around in a big circle now back to kind of breed stigma as well, because yeah. when you see a greyhound wearing a muzzle, which most ex-racers do because, yeah. you know, wildlife and safety of small furry creatures, um, yeah, no one kind of goes, oh, that greyhound's in a muzzle. Oh, that's horrendous. Yeah. Because it's a greyhound wearing a muzzle and people are like oh okay it's probably an ex-tractor because it's been trained to chase things and try and kill them and yeah. you know it could be a squirrel but it could also be the neighbor's cat or you know a rabbit in a field and people kind of with sight hounds if you see a sight hound wearing a muzzle you go oh they obviously like hunting no one thinks kind of thinks any more of it you see I'm bashing them Labradors again I'm sorry to the Labrador lovers but you see a lab in, in a muzzle and the first thing I think is oh bet that's scavenger mm. you see a shepherd a dobe a rotty a mastiff a bull breed in a muzzle and you go oh bet that's spicy oh bet that's that's got now this is my favorite and I've stolen it from uh Taz um Taz Nichols dogs with big feelings yeah exactly <laughs> dogs that's with the, big feelings like that's the best way of explaining it yeah it is I I always say that bull breeds they wear their heart on their sleeve you know that's one of the reasons I love them is you know exactly how they're feeling they don't hold back so if they love you, they proper love you. If they don't love you, you know about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would rather know about it while they're muzzled. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the, the only bite I've ever had was from a staffy, which breaks my heart. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't know why it didn't love me. Um, but it was, uh, <laughs> right. the, the owners, the owner was completely in denial that his dog had an issue. So I was there for dog to dog issues. I do I do a call before, so I was on the phone for about half an hour. I get a vet referral. I I give them a pre consult questionnaire. There is specific questions. Has your dog ever shown any aggression towards people or dogs? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, sometimes snaps at dogs. Um, they get there and within literally a, like seconds of being with the dog, it had attached itself to my hand, and he told me it was the loveliest dog ever with people. 
the dog had actually bitten quite a few people beforehand um but that could have all been avoided if the dog was muzzled <laughs> and but he was so rose tinted glasses um you have to you have to know what your dog's capable of and mitigate the risks yeah because the thing is though you know i mean i'm i'm assuming that it was a low level bite and there were teeth on skin but it wasn't anything too horrendous it, it, it was teeth wrapped around my thumb pulling me off a chair <laughs> wow okay it was quite yeah i mean it didn't end up being the, the worst bite but i did have to go to hospital and get tetanus and stuff it wasn't nice yeah um after the dog had done it, I was like, "Can you pop him in another room, please?" And he was like, "Why?" Uh, <laughs> and then expected me to carry on. It was, it was, yeah, blood running down my arm. I'm like, oh, can God. I go rid of this or something? <laughs> so, so there, there was blood drawn. Like, we're not just oh, yeah. what I refer to as a tough kiss, where you just end up with like a little. Oh no, no, it meant it. It meant it for sure. Wow. And that's but, yeah. because again the the power of those jaws. Like, I mean, really, you're lucky there's a thumb attached to your hand. Really, I think he just caught. It, it happens so quick, mm. and um, I've never met a dog who gives as little warning as this dog did. It was frightening. Mm. Um, I worked with a Pomeranian that nailed me, and my oh, really? was a tongue flick. And then, I didn't even get I think I think I might have I think it gave me like a millisecond of freeze beforehand yeah um, and then was going through but it, it's it it did make me reevaluate my safety protocols I guess and be but less... also I think people just being responsible about what their dogs are capable of regardless of the breed and this is where you know it it does annoy me when people start throwing around with this breed and that breed and blah, 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 because at the end of the day, every dog is born with a set of teeth in their head that are designed to dissect stuff and yeah. find stuff and kill stuff, you know, and the terrier group, terrifying. They they are small killing machines. That's what they are bred for. You know, I'm not even talking okay. small breed. I'm talking like... The little teeny terriers, you know, Yorkies, yeah. how cute are they at crafts? Them things is killers, okay, with their little fruit fruit yeah. in their head. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that the more we can kind of get people to be responsible for their dogs and advocate for their dog's safety and well-being, because by basically whether it was denial or whether, I mean, to be honest, I'd be like, why did you lie to me? You know he's put his dog's life at risk because he didn't want to tick the box that said it's shown aggression towards people. So that's, that's where um, I think the muzzle stigma comes in because it can make people feel like they're labeling their dog as something. Mm. Um, and people don't want to take that step. Um, which is again, that, that question on my, on my muzzle up Mondays is, how did you feel initially? I love that contrast between how they felt initially, mostly negative. Like the majority of them felt negatively before they did it. And now they can't stop singing Muzzle's praises. So that's why I'm like, just try it. Just try it and see how you feel. Um, rather than rather than taking it personally. I think people 
there's a, there's always a level when you're working with like reactive or aggressive dogs uh, their owners are grieving for the dog they wanted not many yeah. people go out for that um go get that puppy thinking i really hope this puppy turns out to be reactive so i can muzzle it when it's older like <laughs> that just doesn't happen so because like I think you've just said one of the most honest things ever I mean I guess for me I kind of knew what I was taking on with Dodge because at 10 weeks old he was up for a project like yeah but here's the original people definitely did not go out and buy a puppy that at 10 weeks old was already trying to shout and nail people you know it's one of the reasons why I was so so cautious with him and what he was doing for the first few months and he had such a good start in terms of training and you know they were feeding him good food and he was having good exercise and they were putting the training into him but just genetically he's predispositioned to shout and be guardy because shepherd but yeah. i think with the bull breeds like they're just little squealy lamp steels that just you just want to love them and it yeah. really breaks my heart that they have like such a bad stigma around them because i've i've never met a horrible stafford i just haven't i mean i've yeah. met a couple that have had big feelings but Besides the one that bit me, I did still go back to work with him though. Um, I, I didn't give up on that one. Clearly, <laughs> but, yeah, generally they just yeah they wear their heart on their sleeves. You know how they're feeling. They're really happy or they're not, but at least they tell you. Yeah. Um, and often with bull breeds, one they they won't just they'll tell you through fall around as well. I know we've spoken about kind of fight and flight. We, we know that there are other Fs that are behind that as well. Um, and one of the most common ones, I think, with bullbies is fall around. They get silly. Like, yeah. if they're feeling stressed and they don't quite know how to show that they're feeling a bit stressed or they don't really know how to take themselves out of the situation, that's when you get jumping up and mouthing, lead ragging, mm-hmm. um, all of those things. That generally, again, to do with the mouth. Like, they are yeah. in their mouth. They need stuff in their mouth. So... They, they need lots of toys to redirect on, lots of chews to yeah. chew on and just stuff, shove stuff in their mouth. If they've got stuff to occupy their mouth with, they're cool. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, another top tip. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So if, if you have a fat head creature, give it something to chomp on because it's what they like to do. One of the things, um, I mean, Munch, I tried agility with, far too over arousing for her and it's yeah. one of the reasons she doesn't do hoopers either because she finds hoopers way too exciting and then yeah. have to hold mummy's arm um yeah especially in public it's not ideal you know especially when you're a trainer because when your dog's holding your arm people look a little bit concerned for your life now with her it's very much it's a tough kiss it's hold she is so careful with the pressure she yeah. puts on you like the but that shows that she needs like she needs to yeah it's an impulse yeah they need stuff in their mouth if they're feeling stressed it's all here like that i know that i'm not like super into tea touch it's not something i've i've done a bit of it but it's not mm-hmm. something I, I i there are people much better at it than i am and i would yeah. refer on to them if i felt it was necessary but um i know that there are kind of touches that 
specifically for bulbers you do in their like around their mouths and yeah. in those big muscles because and around that's where they hold wow. it. Yeah, they hold all of this energy and they can be quite tense. Like mm. bulbers can be really intense and that's why I love them. Um but they can they it's like they're holding all of their feelings big feelings as you big say feelings just they have holding them all in and it makes them tense so that's when it comes out it comes out through the mouth like that's just yeah. their stuff that's their vibe that's their style and a way to mitigate that is always give them stuff to do with their mouths mm -hmm. always whether that's the, the games that you're playing the the chews that you give them they have to kill stuff with their mouths yeah and the other thing that i mean it'll be interesting to hear your kind of opinion on this but the amount of like the bull breeds, the Staffordy types that are actually very noise sensitive as well. Like, I mean, yeah. Munch has to be medicated during thunder and fireworks because yeah. she cannot cope with the booms. It's just yeah. not a thing um, in her world, you know, to the point where CDO gel is one of the best things. And with this episode coming out um, in August, if you do have a dog that sounds sensitive, if you do have a dog that is scared of fireworks or you've just got a new dog and you want to help them not be scared of fireworks, do contact your trainer and start working with a trainer now, like yeah. at the end of August, beginning of September, rather than waiting till the 1st of November to deal with this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's, have um, you met a few that are kind of sound sensitive? Oh, two, two of mine are awful. Mm -hmm. um, they, and actually they've got progressively worse. I think I think for Bonnie, it's um, her, she's a little bit arthritic now. Mm -hmm. So I think we know that there are links between pain and noise sensitivity. Yes. So I think when something makes her jump, it makes it hurt. So it makes her more scared. And then she's yeah. worried about the next boom. Um, she's always been a little bit worried but now she's like trembling panting so we are going to be going down the more veterinary route because mm -hmm. um it's it, it happens so rarely to be fair luckily we don't have to particularly where i've moved to now actually um i'm right near the new forest so fireworks banned which is quite lovely oh, um dream. so i think we'll be all right we've only just yeah. moved here and I, I hadn't really remembered that um, so hopefully they'll be all right this time. No, that's um, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I yeah. think as well, like with with you saying, like with her having kind of arthritic changes, getting older, this goes back to the kind of the drawing the tension. Like I always make sure Munch has um, a massage during fireworks and also one after because the tension she holds in her neck and jaw when yeah. she's got stress and during the event she cannot like the other night we'd had a thunderstorm i offered her a beef tail you know on in the kind of realms of high valueness a beef tail is generally very very high value she yeah. didn't even want to know any of that she was like nope there is a storm i can't eat it's not safe i just need to give me my drugs yeah. basically but i made sure that the next day she did have a really good chew We've got a massage booked in for her because, again, if you've got a dog that's already... One thing bull breeds are very good at, as much as we say how sensitive they are and all the rest of it, they can be so stoic. Yes. When there is actually... Yeah. When there's an actual problem, like an actual injury or an actual thing going wrong, they've kind of been bred to go, I'm fine, carry on. 
yeah, shake it off. My my staffy Loxy, I call her Loxy. Her real name's Roxy, but to be honest, I hate that name. Um, so she's Loxy. <laughs> she came with it and never changed it. Anyway, uh, we always call um, her things anyway. My all yeah. of them have about five names, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so she's Lox, um, but she had a ruptured cruciate and was still running around like an absolute lunatic. And I I had to go back to the vets like five times and say. Something not right with her leg. Something not right with her leg. Yeah, she might be able to run on it. And when you're manipulating it, because she's so blooming muscly, she's tensing up when they're manipulating her legs and not really showing that pain because she's like, doesn't, she's not comfortable with them. It would um, be interesting to know what the adrenaline effects on bull breeds are compared to other breeds because I'm sure adrenaline yeah, reacts differently in a bull breed brain. I'm sure of it. When I when I do my PhD, I'll let you know. <laughs> there we go. I've just given you your topic. Is adrenaline different in bull breed brains to other brains? I've got to finish my BSc first, but maybe I'll do that for my dissertation. But um, yeah, no, I had to take her back so many times because, like you said, she's so stoic. And even my parents, so living at home with her, and they're like, yeah, but she's running. I get this as clients all the time. Yeah, but she's running around the park. Like, she's not got an issue. And I'm like, yeah, but when she gets home and she can't put any weight on it and she's limping around like a limpet, that's because it really hurts. And it's only when she's not doing stuff. It, I think it's because they are bred for uh, the thing that they're doing. The pain has to be worse than the thing that they're doing that they want. So yeah. the motivation, it, it, her, Roxy, Roxy, her motivation is run and chase squirrels uh -huh. that is life so for her she'd have to have her leg literally hanging off I think for her to think mm, this is probably going to hurt more than I want to chase squirrels like mm -hmm. they're just so for her she, she it would have had to no, be so bad she could probably be on two legs and would still be trying to chase the squirrels probably squirrels. yeah like, <laughs> if yeah. one went across when she was midway through an amputation I think she'd still try and get it um so that's yeah they are very stoic and they they can have very high pain thresholds although bonnie is like the drama queen and if she has a thorn in her paw she's like mom but then take the thorn out of her paw she turns into a nutter and starts jumping up and mouthing and getting really silly like that's her response to pain mm. is or feeling uncomfortable is jumping up and mouthing and she she'll leave rag she doesn't really do it now that she's 11 but she's only just chilled to be fair but that was something that you you see a lot in that kind of kennel environment um especially when you say oh yeah you know they don't do well in kennels is ball breeds having to have two leads on them so that you could as they grab one you could drop it and have the other one and you'd kind of be swapping between leads to try and stop them from just grabbing yeah. at the leads and biting on it we did use we did use chain leads if if that would stop them so if they wouldn't grab a chain lead, if they would still grab a chain lead, obviously we're not going to be using that because that would hurt the little teeth. <laughs> and then they'd probably try and go yeah. for the handle anyway. Um, but yeah, or teaching them to walk with a toy. So not necessarily yeah. playing with the toy. It would be a different. So I would use like those plastic dumbbells yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to walk with. So rather than it being like a soft or a raggy toy, it's that weight or like a weighted training dummy. Yeah. Because it, it's like 
that weight is like that deep pressure therapy that I get with Doris on my chest yeah. that holds something I think that's why a lot of Barbaries like will hold rocks as well mm-hmm. um, like having something in their mouth particularly something that's weighted grounds them yeah so that's often if, if rather than kind of using the leads the, the leads were just like the symptom of the lead ragging yeah um so the core issue is I need to do something with my mouth because I'm stressed yeah so obviously we work on the stress but also give them an appropriate outlet for that yeah. behavior that feeling so teaching them to hold something that's heavy not too heavy obviously but I think like you've done with Dodge haven't you with his weighted backpack oh my god yeah so the the whole like so let's get him fit let's put a little bit of weight in the backpack fitness and I was like whoa hang on a minute this is a cool thing this is better and actually the last um the last week where it's been so hot I've taken the weights out because I've been walking them at stupid o'clock in the morning and I'm like right it's already getting warm we don't need to add weight as well but it is still having that kind of swaddling effect of like just helping it's tactile Mm. dogs that are tactile so and also like thunder shirts can be really good for dogs that calm with touch I will use a thunder thunder shirt um I find some some bull breeds that are the cuddly ones that are like I need to be in your skin to feel comfortable yeah. if I'm stressed I need to be as close to you as possible then a thunder shirt can be really helpful they're not great for every dog and you do need to condition them to wearing them and feeling good in them again my little health safety risk assessment <laughs> yeah but like but, yeah. we'll have one on like during a storm whatever um we don't use them so much on her now because they're not her favorite thing but she'd kind of have it on and it would help but as soon as she was feeling better she'd actually be like right can you get this thing off me now because it's a bit annoying um yeah. she's not a massive fan of wearing coats or clothes like you can't dress her up so yeah it's not fair like I want her to wear cute outfits and she just <laughs> I'm joking people before people you've got so many pink tutus in the cupboard that are going wasted my god I think Dodge could rock a pink tutu though to be fair oh yeah I reckon he could <laughs> Can you imagine people's faces? Like, I'm sorry, what I've got an image of like an Ace Ventura pet detective with that. (laughs) That's what I feel Dodge would look like. I'm sorry, Puppy, I don't mean it. So I think he'd also look quite cool in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, he could definitely rock a Hawaiian shirt. He'd look cool in that. He would look very, very cool in that. So, Bethany, let's wrap this up. Thank you so, so much for joining me on such a lovely warm british evening <laughs> thank you for having me it's been nice it's been good i don't know if we've outdone your time uh um, i think potentially um Taz win. is still in the it seems to be people that work with the rescue dogs seem to talk the longest because tom candy was was up there with the record and i think taz beat him <laughs> a little bit because um we got into a whole thing about him living with a blind and deaf dog so Ah. a purpose double male breeding but that's people can listen to that episode and hear my my thoughts on that happening you can imagine but if people want to find out more about you muzzle up monday and all of that good stuff um so that's um that's my bonnie dog behavior is the muzzle up monday particularly i mean it is on facebook but instagram is what that's made for really Mm -hmm. They're, they're often instagram people um uh, and I have a really cool group the bull breed girl where it's just bull breed people owners lovers enthusiasts 
people that are curious just want to see what crazy people that have ball breeds are like come and watch and um, positive training for ball breeds oh yeah absolutely so we are all um it, it's all just lovely ball breeds are I love that there was a Battersea Snappies are softer than you think campaign and I loved it yeah. um and it's true they are softer than you think and that's where uh, that's what we try and get across on the ball breed girls so I, I answer um questions that people have if people are having trouble then they can message yeah. the group if people just want to share pretty pictures of their gorgeous dogs then that's where they can go and I also offer a kind of head picture exactly exactly so it's (laughs) lovely for all those things but it's just it's just a group where full breed people can come and hang out and I do also have um of course some merch I am a full breed girl so if people want a t-shirt or a notebook or Uh, I think I'm needing a t-shirt Missy maybe I'll send you one as a thank you for having me on Um, like this so yeah that that's uh, and I do offer consults and stuff online consults and ball breed specific stuff but at the minute I just love talking about ball breed so that's all on the group but yeah body dog behavior the ball breed girl and also coming up freedom muzzles so keep an eye freedom on that. muzzles right that was the last bit I wanted you to plug was where we can get cool UK based by yeah. muzzles so that's good to know right so until the next time guys um you know where you can find us on all the social medias at dodge shepherd at minx to hour on the insta and until next time guys stay safe be kind wash your hands thoroughly keep your dogs on lead around livestock don't let them lick toads take care guys bye For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook, like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at Canine Hoopers. Check out our website, www.caninehooperswild.com. Remember, Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.